Welcome into the Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Warehouse. Of course, I'm always joined by my colleagues, Bob Harkins and Matt Corey, both of them on the left coast. And unfortunately, dealing with fire is more in Matt's uh, neck of the woods right now, but we're going to uh, move past that. Hope everything is uh, well for uh, Matt and his neighbors. Uh, we'll move on to some happier news and we'll just talk some baseball uh, tonight. Uh, Bob, you wrote an article for the site uh, a couple days ago. You expanded on, uh, you looked at the MLB races with three weeks to go. Now we're uh, maybe two and a half weeks left. Kind of expand on your thoughts there, kind of reset uh, where you think uh, things stand for the races uh, league-wide. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that stood out to me that have happened since I wrote that article is that the Yankees are in third place now, and the Orioles are actually kind of creeping up on them. Wouldn't that be something? Um, Yeah, Yankees 3-7 and in their last 10. Um, If you want to compare them, like the Yankees were considered, you know, to be – a world series contender at the beginning of this year, they, and they are scoring a run less per game than the Dodgers are. Like if you want to compare against the contenders and they're averaging a run more than per game than the Dodgers are, it's pretty bad. Um, so that was one thing. And then, um, in the meantime, the blue Jays have passed them and they're kind of creeping up in there. And we talked about, last week about some of the moves they made and actually only one of those moves, Taiwan Walker has been really good for them. The other couple pitchers they got have not been good at all. And yet here they are kind of making a move. Um, I think we'll dive into the Orioles a little more later. Um, But the other kind of takeaway, I guess, is that right now it looks like we could see the two best teams in baseball, both in the NL West with the way the Padres have been playing now Um, eight, eight out of their last 10 they've won. And the Padres and Dodgers do have one more series uh, this regular season next week in San Diego. So that should be fun to watch. Yeah, it looks like the Padres youth has uh, grown up in a in a hurry. And uh, yeah. and they certainly look like they believe. And then if we jump back to the East and your thoughts with the Yankees, uh, yeah, I'm never going to make excuses for New York. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but – all right, they do have the injuries that they're facing, and they're certainly they legitimate. But um, you told any Yankee fan or any MLB analyst that they would be two and a half weeks left in the regular season, and they're trying to hold off the Orioles. They may not have believed that. So <laughs> right. it, it has been um, been an interesting time so, so far with that. Cashman will get some players, right? If we need players, sure. Uh, Cashman. <laughs> You know, you did see he addressed the team uh, a couple of days ago a- after uh, another loss. He said, you guys are underachieving. And, yeah, my takeaway of that is uh, <laughs> I-, I don't know how that really plays in a locker room. I don't know how that plays uh, in New York overall. Cashman's had a very long, successful run, highly regarded, not just for having payroll, but he's also uh, he's consistently – found ways to uh, uh, 
had a positive imprint on the Yankees overall. But if the Yankees fail uh, to make the playoffs in an expanded year of a uh, uh, field and where expectations were World Series uh, contender at a minimum, uh, maybe his tenure comes to an end. Uh, 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 at some point, I would have, uh, think uh, that might be hard to survive in New York, but we'll see. Uh they still have time to write the ship, even though the season is rapidly uh, coming to a close. I mean, they have they have the same you know sort of team and the same kind of problems they had last year. And last year it worked out because Mike Talkman stepped in and was an all star, and Gio Gio Urshela stepped in and was an all star, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and those guys haven't performed. I mean, Urshela's been fine, but uh, those guys haven't mostly performed like they like they did last year. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of reasonable to, to look at those guys, look at that, at that team and, and, you know, the injuries that they've had. And I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect anyone to get hurt except that, you know, Stanton gets hurt a lot and judge gets hurt a lot. And, you know, LeMahieu occasionally gets hurt and Gary Sanchez gets hurt. Like these guys miss time. Uh, it's happened over the last, uh, you know, couple of years. Um, and or just about every year. And so you, you need as a GM to have a plan and the plan appears to be the same as it was last year, which I guess makes sense because it, it worked really well last year, but the guys they plugged in had never played like that before. And now they're kind of playing the way that they, you know, played before last year. And, uh, Gary Sanchez is just a complete mess too, like behind the plate and, and at it and anywhere near plates, he's not good. Um, except dinner <laughs> and Garrett Cole hasn't been bad but he hasn't been superhuman either right. uh, uh, which they kind of need like right. because of the injuries they've had there as well and and um, yeah, I think their best starting pitcher other than Cole has is, is been Tanaka and Tanaka's fine but he's not he's not good and this isn't the Oakland A's like so obviously <laughs> they need <laughs> they need some pitchers you've heard of at that at the top of the rotation um and they don't have it. That, what, Bob, I liked your article. One thing I, I especially uh, liked is that you noted that, you know, the Yankees are constantly getting credit for the injuries that they've had. And like, well, when they get healthy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But the Rays have had a ton of injuries too, uh, and they haven't slowed down. And I thought that was a, a really good thing to, to point out. Start that baby up. Welcome into the warehouse. This is uh, Chris Turner. I'm joined by Bob Harkins and Matt Corey. And we're going to, I guess we're doing a retake unless our producer can slap us together later. Uh, we just got through first 10 minutes or so before getting kicked off. So our apologies there if this sounds uh, discombobulated later. We started with uh, Bob recapping his article, which looked at uh, the races around Major League Baseball with about three weeks to play. Uh, that was written over the weekend. Now we're uh, you know, so about two and a half uh, weeks at this point. Bob started with his th- thoughts, kind of going over uh, uh, the Yankees trying to hold their position, being leapfrogged by t- uh, Toronto. Uh, Tampa Bay has obviously pulled away in the East. Uh, then you have uh, uh, the National League West, where maybe the top two teams in baseball at this point could be the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres with their youth. I'm going to guess our producer will be able to slap us together later. So we're going to jump into where, where we were going, which was talking about the AL central 
Uh, Bob, uh, you uh, were just outlining that you got three teams in the race and kind of uh, their uh, the different teams there. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, the best race in baseball, three teams. I believe they're separated by a game. Um, they're all good. They all have kind of different things that make them good. The White Sox just crush the ball. Uh, the Indians pitch the ball really well. And the Twins, you know, they pitch well. And Nelson Cruz crushes the ball a lot. Uh, Mr. OPS Plus, I think he's around 200 right now. So who would have predicted that? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't ask me who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win this division. I just know that's that's probably going to be the most interesting race to watch uh, here these next, uh, what do we got, 18 games or so, 20 games. Matt, uh, we'll just bounce around a little bit. What were your thoughts currently on the uh, National League Central? The National League Central. I, I think the, the thing that stands out to me there is, I mean, well, the Cubs have been there for a long time, but, you know, they're – they just don't really strike me as a particularly good team. Um, you know, their their defense is kind of bad. Their pitching is old. You um, Darvish is having a great year, which is nice to see again because he's a fun player. Um, but uh, you know, Chris Bryant is struggling really badly, actually. Um, yeah, I, I it's hard to be enthusiastic about that. And when you look at the run differential, the Cardinals are a plus thirty. The Cubs are a plus thirteen. Everybody else in that division is a a minus a billion who cares. Um, so it, it's really those two teams. And I, I think you kind of have to like where the Cardinals are, even though, I mean, they're two games behind the Cubs, but um, you know, I, I, if you have to pick one team right now, I, I think you'd, you'd pick the, you know, the Cardinals with their pitching and, you know, uh, revived uh, Paul Goldschmidt at, at first base hitting dingers. And sticking in the national league, uh, we'll go to the East, uh, and again, Matt, we'll, we'll go to you. The Braves last night put up uh, just a couple of runs, uh, but not a whole lot of pitching left on the Braves right now. Uh, what do you see if Atlanta, do you buy them as a real playoff threat? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, they're going to win that division. And I think they're going to, you know, they're going to win it going away. I, you know, Philly is just struggling so badly. Um, you know, for a while they were, they were being carried by uh, Bryce, Bryce Harper and, Harper just fell off a cliff a couple of weeks ago and has, I don't think he has a hit in like two weeks. Um, yes. Sorry to cl clarify. I do believe the Braves will make the playoffs. Do you believe they have enough pitching once there to win multiple rounds? Um, it's, I mean, I wouldn't pick them to come out of the national league, not with, you know, they're in the same league as the Dodgers and the Padres. So, um, you know, could they win two? Yeah, I, I I would expect them to win one. I don't know that I'd go much further than that. You know, the injuries they've had. Um, you know, Max Fried's having a great year. Uh, he'll probably start game one, but after that, mm. yeah. So they put up the the twenty nine spot last night, and I believe uh, uh, don't quote me, I believe it was Milwaukee put up nineteen runs last night, and you know, not even close to putting up the most. Uh, uh, most runs last night. That was interesting. I was hoping that the Braves would hit the uh, 30 mark. You guys probably don't remember this. The uh, I do. Orioles outscored 30 to three. Uh, Dave Trembley's uh, first game as manager, official game. <laughs> so he's a uh, name manager, and then <laughs> loses 30 to three. So that was a that was a fun time as an Oriole fan. There was lots of good happy memories there. I had forgotten that that was the first his first game as manager. Um, 
I mean, do you think, Chris, there's something maybe he could have done differently to, you know, change the outcome of that game? He could have asked me to pitch. If he'd managed it differently, maybe they would have lost 29. Little slick moves to hold them to 25. Right. (laughs) You imagine what the post-game comments or you're sitting there and you're half of the – Dave, what did you tell the team after the game? Or, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, Dave, what did you think about that ground ball on the fifth? Did you? Uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that was good times. We we were reliving that. Some Oriole fans in the uh, game thread last night. Uh, we are jumping around a bit tonight. We're not sticking quite to the uh, outline we had because well, we got stopped uh, midway through and we're a little off. But I'm just going to go there anyway. So. Uh, when we started and Bob was uh, beginning his talk, he was talking about the East and again about the Yankees and how they failed to meet expectations. And part of that is health. Uh, and we wonder about what that could mean for uh, GM Brian Cashman, if they failed to make the playoffs and reach the expectations that they had, but uh, and we'll get to more Orioles talk later, but the idea that the Orioles are within two, uh, uh, I see, game, game and a half, I guess, at this point of uh, New York. Uh, tonight was rained out, maybe a doubleheader tomorrow. I mean, it is pretty surreal, uh, you know, as an Oriole fan and just an MLB fan that, that they're, they're starting this series again here in, in – uh, September and games matter. So it's uh, fun to watch for us. And uh, I imagine it feels like the world is ending if you're a New York fan, which is uh, just horrible. I mean, just <laughs> depending on where you live, it might be. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll go back. Uh, CBS Sports, I did their MLB Awards watch. We did uh, a little bit of this a couple of weeks ago, but it's been updated. Again, we talked before the season of what, what are these awards going to look like? in a 60 game season. And uh, there are some names on some of these boards, which uh, kind of raise an eyebrow for me, but we'll, uh, we'll go through that a little bit. Let's uh, start with um, uh, Bob and ha- have you, if your thoughts to the, uh, the AL choices there and uh, where you would go starting well, with the, uh, uh, maybe the MVP, I guess. I don't know who I would pick for MVP. There's a lot of pretty good candidates. What I was shocked not shocked, but what I found interesting about that article is there were there were six paragraphs on the AL MVP award, and Mike Trout came in at paragraph five, which was not it's nothing it's no diss on Mike Trout. He's having a Mike Trout esque season pretty much for the most part. But what you're dealing with is the Angels stink, and the numbers are kind of crazy right now because of the sample size. So like I said, you've got Nelson Cruz with an OPS plus of 200. You've got, um, you know, Jose Abreu's on pace for like 600 RBIs. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but he is driving a lot of runs. Uh, you know, I think uh, Matt's a big fan of uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who's also tearing it up and particularly likes the Red Sox. Um, just, got hurt, just got hurt, I believe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My apologies there. I mean, um, lots of lots of guys. To be fairness, uh, to, to be fair, a lot of players like facing the Red Sox this year. <laughs> <laughs> so. Don't take it away from him. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, it's pretty wide open. You know, I just one thing I would like to say is I, I would like to end the Shane Bieber for MVP talk. Um, 
you know, he's he's the Cy Young winner and deserving of that. And I don't see any way he doesn't win the Cy Young Award this year. But he's played in nine games. He's played in like 21% of the Indians games. And I can't see any other sport where you could consider an MVP for, for a guy who plays in 21% of his team's games. Uh, you know, Cy Young Award, that's that's a pitcher's yeah, MVP. I, I generally agree with that, with the caveat that a starting pitcher can impact can impact games that they're not pitching in just by by the amount of innings and success they're having and not taxing the bullpen. But I do agree with the idea of that an everyday player is certainly more, more valuable. But let's talk about Trout for a second, right? So he's having another great year, and like you said, he's – uh, the Angels are not. How much do you hold that against? Uh, you know, do you hold that against him at all? Which I, I find, yeah, you know, kind of silly. I, I mean, I wish the award was most outstanding player, maybe, and not most valuable player. So then we wouldn't have this uh, this discussion every year about uh, how are we defining valuable. I mean, uh, I but, I personally wouldn't. You, you, I think you consider it. You generally you want if there's a great player on a team that's doing well, I think that gets an edge, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me by any means. I think my, where I look at it is I think it is for a lot of voters. Oh, like it's, a lot a, of voters yeah. it's the best player award. And I don't know why that's yeah. so difficult for people. Like you're picking the best player. Like who is the best player in this league? Pick them. That's your, that's your guy, right? It, you it, could, it shouldn't I, be that hard, right? It should yeah. be. It, it should be pretty straightforward. Pedantic garbage about value and blah blah blah. It's just like pick the guy who's the best one. Like you know, if you're if you're someone who thinks that RBIs are really really important, then fine. I mean, you're wrong, but fine. You know, <laughs> pick them. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it's not it's not. There's room to argue about about who the best one is, but um, but can we at least agree on on what the award is, please? Um, yeah, that would be a start agreeing on the award. So, Bob, you you had Bieber for Cy Young. Did you have uh, you know a number of names there for for the AL? Did you have one you're leaning leaning towards? Trout. <laughs> Trout. Yeah, <laughs> after I, I, all I, that, I right. mean, you know, I do agree with you guys. And my point was more that I think it, I think voters look at it that way. I think a healthy number oh, yeah. of voters look at it that way. But yeah, no, I agree. I thought Michael Jordan should have won MVP every year. He was you know, in his prime in the NBA, but he didn't because right. I guess they felt like it was too boring. I don't know. I think there is, I think there is definitely fatigue on like certain players and um, it's, it's stupid. You, you know, sometimes a guy's the best and yeah, he was the best last year too. And maybe even the year before that, but that doesn't alter the fact that he's the best right now. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not Mike Trout's fault that the, you know, that the angels gave Albert Pujols $400 million or whatever they gave him, um, that they can't assemble a bullpen or et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he's, he's not responsible for any of that. Now, if he was the general manager, then maybe you could fault him for it, but he's not, he's the center fielder and he's doing that as well or better than anyone else in the game. So I'm, I'm with you, Bob. I, I think that's the, the way to go. And the thing is, too, and that's it kind of speaks to the way the season is. It's so weird having a 60 game season because all those other guys we talked about, there's no way those numbers hold up over a regular 162 game season. But Mike Trout's numbers will. I would. Yeah, that's a good good point there, too, Bob. And uh, it'd be crazy to look back some point of how many MVPs Trout was robbed of. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I think, and I'm looking this up as I'm 
talking, but I'm pretty sure he's finished in the top two every year since he's been in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, MVP. He's been a second, finished second, finished first, finished second, finished. Oh, he finished, finished fourth that fourth. one year. Right. He finished fourth. That's right. And that was the year that he um, that he played in only 114 games. Yeah. And he led the league in on-base percentage and in slugging and an OPS and OPS plus. Um, anyway. Every non-counting stat. Yeah, yeah and his defensive yeah. metrics were high at the time too as well. So yeah. it was uh, – yeah, something there. So going back to the AL Cy Young for a minute, you mentioned Bieber, uh, and then the CBS and there are others to watch. You know, they talked about Keuchel and Lance Lynn, who uh, there might be nobody that surprised me more the last few years than Lance Lynn. Uh, but I, there was talk maybe, I guess before he signed the contract with the uh, there that uh, about him coming to Baltimore and you know some of. We looked at the peripherals and thought, eh, well, maybe a back end starter. But he's been, he's put up uh, multiple strong seasons now, which is uh, I did not see coming. And it's then such a uh, weird contract too. Like the yeah. the Rangers just gave him a three year deal when I don't think anyone was going to offer him more than one year. Right. Like the Yankees dumped him and he uh, he was awful there and and he was a free agent and then all of a sudden he's got a three year deal. Like, oh, all right. And now he's also a great pitcher, too. So, you know, good for the Rangers, I guess. And, you know, really consistent. And then the other name there was former Oriole Dylan Bundy, uh, which uh, I I don't know what to think about Bundy. I mean, uh, the kind of – some of the thought was, well, Anaheim, a larger park, but uh, actually some of the the home run numbers of the last few years were pretty comparable to Candom Yards. and okay, maybe some other larger parks within both West divisions where he's been pitching uh, this year in general. Maybe that that's a, a help. And we talked about, I, th- I guess we looked at uh, uh, his repertoire of pitches and the percentage uh, of usage a few weeks ago. And I haven't looked at the update there, but let's just say I'm I'm surprised at this point that Dylan Bundy is a is this. I thought he could still be a productive major league starter, but after watching his velocity dropped off, I didn't see him being a uh, a potential Cy Young uh, contender. You know, but again, velocity bump, change of scenery, and, and uh, just remind you, maybe you know, uh, a yeah, change of scenery can do uh, players a world of good sometimes. You know? So can keeping the ball in the yard. Yeah, is, right. He's like half of what his average was the last um, couple seasons. Yeah, he's actually I, given up almost like no hits. He's giving up <laughs> six hits per nine, yeah. which is like way, way, way down than what um, you know what he was and what a normal pitcher gives up. Overall, um, I feel good for him. This was a kid that yeah. uh, let, lost three successive years after he was like basically the best prospect in the game, and then lost three straight years to injury, and then. Uh, due to his signing a major league contract when he was drafted, the Orioles were forced to put him on the major league roster. And he, he came and he wound up having a, a productive stint with the Orioles, never reaching the heights that he was uh, you know, expected to have once had, but he was productive enough. So congrats to him for finding a second, uh, uh, second gear there. Uh, we'll wrap through this a little bit quicker. Bob, look at the AL Rookie of the Year. Who uh, who was CBS's pick, and who would be yours? I don't remember. <laughs> Do you have it, Andy? There, 
I believe their uh, guest was uh, Robert, uh, who they also had yeah. in the MVP race, but uh, they also mentioned uh, Mariner outfielder Kyle Lewis as a possibility. Yeah, yeah, you can't pick a Mariner. Come on. Be real. <laughs> Be real. Um, no, I actually I actually do like the 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 direction the Mariners are finally heading. They're actually starting to get better. But I liked Robert at the beginning of the season. Ro- Robert, yeah. right? Don't we call him yeah. Robert? Robert. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what people are calling him. It's just weird, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I was I'm cool. It, it, so Luis Robert, I thought it was oh, all right, we'll go. I'm gonna go with you. We'll think that's right there. So that's fine. <laughs> I remember looking it up at the start of the season and I thought they 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 were calling him Robert. Yeah, that wor- that works fine. I just like the name. Yeah. I say. So all right, Matt, we'll jump over to you. Except I'm sorry, one more note on the AL Bob, AL manager of the year. I did not see in CBS's write up uh a uh, certain Oriole manager, and I was a little surprised to see that, you know, given uh, the minimal expectations or non-existent expectations of any competitiveness for the Orioles. So I thought Brandon Hyde might might show up there. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's a – I'm not kidding or saying this just because we're on a Orioles podcast. I think he's legit, le- legit contender for that award. He should be. He should be at least mentioned. Yeah, we should get hit the streets. Yeah, we last talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think uh, I think we brought we brought Hyde up also then. I mean, yeah, there's there's. I mean, the criteria for manager of the year is basically exceeding expectations. That's yeah. it. And there is no team that's exceeded expectations really. I don't think more than more than the Orioles, right? Well, not in, in the AL anyway, right? I mean, the NL. I guess it's going to be whoever the manager of the Padres is, Jace on- Tingler. But, on the day the season started, ESPN had their uh, article out with the projections, and uh, they wrote the Orioles might not win ten games. So, <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, I'm thinking expectations have been exceeded. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. All right, we're gonna roll through Matt National League. Uh, we can start with the MVP there. Uh, who is their pick, and who would be yours? Uh, I couldn't get the page to load, so I don't know who their pick was. Uh, but I can tell you who the pick is. It's Fernando Tatis. Uh, that's the that's the correct answer. So it actually doesn't matter what anyone else said. Um, Tatis leads. Uh, he leads the National League in home runs. He leads it in slugging. He leads it in WAR. He leads it in weighted runs created plus and every all uh, almost every other stat you want. And Upset Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Angry Rangers, uh, 3-0, 3-0 Grand Slams. He leads them in that too. Um, I mean, I listen. I badly want it to be Mookie Betts, but uh, but it's not right now. I mean, Betts is the best player on the best team, um, but but Tatis is the best player. Uh, yeah, I think they did have uh, Betts uh, number one, but I agree with you. The choice is Tatis. I don't think it is particularly close at this point, and uh, uh, for the reasons you had mentioned. I will say that one of the other names mentioned, uh, and they had about five or six names, was Mike Yastrzemski. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the I have a real hard problem, or a really a, a difficult problem, giving the, uh, an award like that to someone who can't play defense. That's why I have the um, – like I, I wouldn't vote for Nelson Cruz in the, in the AL unless he was like so far and away the best, the best hitter. Um, I, I think that it really kind of hamstrings your your team when you're when you're so uh, you know bad at defense. And it's one of the things that Mookie Betts does so well is he provides value across the board, 
everything he does is well above average, you know, running the bases, taking walks, striking out, not striking out. I, um, so just quick mention on, on Yaz there. Uh, he was an Oriole farmhand forever. If you look at Yaz's age, he's much older than you probably would expect. But this last year with San Francisco, after that change of scenery for him, he has just been completely lights out, which is just hard for any Orioles fan to comprehend because this guy was a complete non-prospect. I mean, he was a in a, in a lower-tier Orioles system. He was consistently like a 25 to 30 guy in the system. You know, somebody that was looked at generally as a – uh, maybe he had the chance to become a platoon type of, you know, bat. But really, the thought was age, age, and other prospects had passed him by. He gets in San Francisco, and he talked about how they just allowed him to be him, <laughs> and he, uh, and he's so yeah. Just it's funny how things work out there. Uh, what about uh, Sonny Young, Matt? Who would be your uh, NLSI? Uh, it would be Jacob DeGrom, who is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, so I don't think it's a three. I don't think it's for Mr. DeGrom. Then, yeah, uh, he's got the best um, best ERA. It's actually tied with Corbin Burns. But uh, no, 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 sorry, that's not the ERA that's tied. It's the FIP that's tied. But um, DeGrom is um, the, the lowest xFIP, also um, the lowest ERA, and. Uh, yeah, he's he's just fantastic. There's there's nobody you'd want on the mound if you had one game, um, you know, to pitch for your life or whatever that dumb saying is. Um, you mentioned the, Darvish earlier, and his number is pretty comparable across the board. So uh, maybe a, a race to the end there. Uh, and I'm gonna have to look this up. And Bob, you had mentioned uh, some level of voter fatigue. So I'd, I'd be interested to see if uh, Darvish on a uh, winning Cubs team uh, might edge out uh, Degrom there on the third time, uh, but uh, probably a pretty close uh, race there. Uh, Darvish has more innings pitched, so his WAR is higher. Um, Degrom has more strikeouts. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's sort of I don't know. I I, I just t- I tend to think Degrom is uh, is just a better pitcher right now. Anyway, um, yeah. you know, Darvish is having a, a good fifty innings, uh, which are I agree comparable when you when you look at the numbers. I mean, um, Degrom is a slightly lower ERA, slightly lower FIP, um, slightly more strikeouts. So uh, I would I would still give it to Degrom, but but uh, you know, close. Darvish is having having a nice year. Yeah, it's close. Uh, NL Rookie of the Year, uh, who got there? Oh shoot! Who did I have? I just uh, had it up. Oh, uh, Cronenworth. Yeah, uh, with the with the Padres. Um, yeah, Jay Cronenworth. Um, he's hitting uh, three twenty three with a five fifty one slugging percentage. Um, yeah, he's he's the best. Um, the, the best the NL has to offer at that. Uh, uh, the, that the uh, admittedly limited sample size. <laughs> the riches of the Padres and all of their uh, uh, their talent, and then lastly. Uh, an a, uh, NL Manager of the Year. Uh, any uh, who stands out for you? Um, I mean, it's it's got to be the, the Jace Tingler of the Padres, right? I mean, we, yeah, know, we talked about before. Uh, it's about exceeding expectations, and no one, I don't think, thought the Padres were the, you know, 
the second best team in the National League, second best team in baseball at this point. Um, that was the pick and, of CBS as well. And I guess the, the other name that kind of resonated for me was Donnie Baseball If uh, and the CBS mm. point if the Marlins hold on and they uh, reach the playoffs, which, uh, again, going back to our earlier point of exceeding expectations. So yeah, maybe that is uh, – yeah. Maybe it's a possibility there. I mean, you can make a yeah. Dave Roberts cleaned up that clubhouse years ago when they hired him. And I uh, I think you could make a case for um, for for David Ross in uh, in Chicago. Oh yeah. I I don't think that's a great team or anything, but he's had him in first place all year. That's something. Yep. Yep. Fair. All right, so we'll uh, we'll move on to the Orioles. uh, Wrap through a couple topics fairly quickly here. Matt, at the site, you wrote. about the two young guys, uh, Kramer and Aiken, and, and then kind of larger picture there. What, what were your kind of recap that article for us? Uh, well, I hadn't seen either of them pitch. You know, I'd read read about them, um, but uh, I, I was it sounds stupid. I was impressed. Uh, obviously, I mean, they were the results were were really good, but they. You know they weren't they weren't getting you know lucky. It wasn't really a, a BABIP situation where, um, you know, where, where the guys step in and and uh, you know every every rocket goes to the second baseman's glove or something. Um, you know, uh, Kremer especially impressed me with with uh, you know his fastball command. Um, you know his curveball has a ton of movement on it, and I think one thing that I I really appreciated is that he's able to throw it or he was that day. Uh, able to throw it in the zone and out of the zone. And I talked about that maybe a little too much actually in the article, but um, you know, I, I think that is really a, a skill that, that sometimes you, you, you don't see it's uh, you know, especially with, with a curveball or a slider, you know, having, having a, a pitch that looks like it's going to be a strike and then not be a strike um, you know, is one way to use it. And then the reverse also it can be effective, you know? Um, and uh, I, he was able to do both. In fact, Oh, I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, he did it to, to some, um, might've been Vlad. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't see it. Sorry, my notes, but anyway, um, I was, I was really impressed with, uh, with that. Um, you know, his stamina too, uh, things started to kind of, he, he, he lost it a little bit in the second inning of, uh, he only has started, um, one game, uh, Kramer, um, mm-hmm. so far, but, um, he kind of lost it a little bit in the, in the second inning. Um, his velo dropped, uh, he was sitting 94, 95, and then he was down to 91, 92, um, in the second. And I, I don't know, you know, specifically what happened, but the it, velocity went back up again, um, as the game continued on, um, his slider is kind of fringy. There's not a ton of movement to it, but it's different enough that it kind of works as a third pitch. If you don't throw it too much, which he doesn't, but um, I think, uh, you know, he's definitely got enough velocity. He's got enough command, and that curveball is, is a thing of beauty when he's throwing it right. So, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe he needs to clean up that you know, slider uh, a little bit. But um, I was I was definitely impressed with him. Uh, did you want me to keep going, Chris, or did you want to comment about that? No, you're good. Bob, I can keep rambling. <laughs> uh, Bob, any uh, reaction? Uh, you saw Matt's article, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, and I had not seen uh Kramer pitch either and what I did see of him fit right in with what Matt was saying so that's nice but uh you know the thing I want to kind of just kind of add on to 
is when you see a guy who's he's not young, right? He's 25 or about 20, to be 25. 24. He's he's 24, yeah. Goes in. Um his first big league start and to have that kind of command is pretty that's pretty impressive. I mean, we'll see if that holds. But you know, it's not just about throwing strikes as you said. It's about where you throw your strikes or where you don't throw strikes when when the batter is looking for a strike kind of thing. I know that's a really terrible way to put it all, but but you get kind of what I'm at. Like Kevin Gossman, for example, didn't really tend to have a problem throwing strikes. He didn't sound like he walked the farm, but he grooved a lot of pitches and you know, he had good stuff, but you can't do that to big league hitters. And he couldn't directly locate. He could throw a a throw a strike. strike. Yeah. It's not really located, right? Right. And even at ninety seven, if it's down the middle, these guys can hit it. Right. And so you gotta like see Kramer, maybe he's not a, a a number one starter on a good baseball team, but if he can go out there and throw low nineties with a top notch curveball and hit all the corners all day. He's going to be a real good contributor for a while, and I'm sure, you know I'm sure both pitchers are going to face uh, adversity, and they'll have the, the normal adjustments that go on. But yeah. my first time actually seeing them for you know Kramer the one appearance, you know, Aikens made a couple of appearances. First time actually seeing them, uh, the Orioles have two legitimate major league starters there. Uh, now yeah. we talked about. Um, all the talk for the two of them has been that these are back of the rotation starters. That's what they've been projected as. I've heard constantly fr- from reviews, although I did see Keith Law and his write up about uh, Kramer saying eh, maybe a little bit more than I thought. So, uh, what I saw, Kramer had a lot of um, poise. He, he directly knew what he was wanting to <laughs> wanting to do. Uh, Aiken has a little bit more. Um, as a lefty, has pretty good uh, strikeout stuff. Um, m- maybe not quite as refined, uh, but both of them can be successful major league starters. And for as pitching starved as the Orioles have been for for a long time, seeing them, you know, if the Orioles can get out of them, and then the next group behind them of four or five starters, um, Ballman, who's potentially dealing with an injury. Uh, Loafer, uh, Zimmerman, Wells, and then one of the acquisitions they just made last week, whose name is escaping me right now. But if between that group, before their real top prospects come up, Hall and Rodriguez, if they're getting some production out of them, then the, then they have something, uh, you know, and that's how they can build a staff. So that was pretty encouraging uh, for me. Enjoyed uh, um, Matt's piece there that you know put it you know directly in perspective uh another it was Voigt by the way sorry yeah. in the first inning he uh he threw Voigt two consecutive curveballs one in the zone and one out of the zone and he got two swings and misses on it and I was like wow that is that is something I mean yeah you can say a lot of a lot about Voigt but the guy can actually hit so and he also yeah. had um <laughs> there was big variances between the uh, uh speeds that he that he was uh throwing and, and you could sell see uh just some uncomfortable at bats i think that's why the slider kind of works because he's throwing it in the you know the 
86, 87. He's yeah. throwing the fastball 93, 94, and then the curveball is 77. So it's it fits, you know, range wise in there uh, in the repertoire. I, I still don't I still don't think it was that great a pitch. Like it just doesn't move very much. But um, you know, it, again, if you don't throw it too much, you rely on your other pitches and you know you just use it to to you know, steal a strike or change the batter's eye level or, or whatever those, uh, those cliches are, um, then, uh, you know, I think that can work. That's probably going to be one of the things that holds him back from, you know, from actually being a, a top of the rotation, uh, pitcher though. Yeah, that's fair. I did also see the, uh, what you talked about with the velocity when he came out initially in the first there, I felt there was probably some extra adrenaline, um, then kind of fell off in the second, but then did pick up, uh, to where I would expect him to work most of the, t- uh, the time as the game, game w- worked uh, went on. Uh, one of our colleagues, Gary Media, he had an article out today uh, <laughs> looking at the storylines of the final uh, weeks. Uh, Matt, did you get a chance to read that? And if so, uh, your thoughts there. Yeah, I, I did read it. Um, <laughs> I had a couple of thoughts. One is uh, thanks for burning through every single storyline uh, for <laughs> – for the rest of us writers. <laughs> no storylines left. Nope, he used them all. Uh, but actually, I thought it was i thought it was really good, especially the way he brought it back together at the very end. Um, I i thought that it's, uh, I think it's a, you know, sort of a easy to lose the, you know, the forest for the trees, uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're writing about a team, when you're a fan of the team, you're focusing on these individual elements, um, you know, but I, I think that the, you know, th- this season has been a success for the Orioles as a, as an organization, um, you know, because there are all these different things to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and they're in a positive way. I mean, like, you know, they're, they're different things to discuss in a positive way, like not, Oh, this team is, you know, self-immolating on eight different levels. Um, so um, I thought that was a, uh, that was a nice, a nice way of, uh, you know, of, of setting it up and, and putting it together. Yeah. And as he uh, noted on the board today, he said, uh, I'm not a Orioles fan and, uh, I wasn't expecting there to be as much to uh, write about this year as a, as a fan. <laughs> so I've enjoyed that. Bob, uh, any takeaways from, from that article? Yeah, I did really enjoy it. And, and I thought he's, you know, we joke that he went through all the storylines and stuff, but he's his sum up at the end was perfect because he yeah. said basically the baseball is fun in Baltimore again. And that really is the sum of all the storylines. That is the main one right there. And one little uh, side note is, you know, we've compared this sort of rebuild process to that, what the Astros went through for obvious reasons. And, um, one thing I thought that this season has provided for some of these young guys that those Astros didn't get this early in their rebuild is an opportunity to play in games that matter. And I don't know how to quantify that or if it'll even make a difference, but it is kind of a cool opportunity these guys get, and maybe they can make something out of that. I love that point. That's uh, an interesting thought. And just to your, the other idea of just uh, being – Interesting. You probably have heard it in my own voice. So it's just, uh, yeah, just some basic competitiveness is, I mean, it's all you can ask for as a fan. I mean, at some point you want to see your team win, but on, on a, for, for most nights, you just want to see good 
you know, baseball and have, have a relative chance. Uh, and there's been a lot of discussion at the board, and we've got into it a little bit here on the, on some of the pods, that if you're not at the, the very top of the draft, there is a huge, there isn't a discernible difference between picking uh, in the middle of of the first round as opposed to right at the top. Uh, if you're looking at like kind of career war uh, and the results by by pick, so uh, for the some people that just want to you know tank for the really the top of the draft, uh, I'll take competitive baseball right now and think that you can build in some other, uh, in some other fashion. But, uh, the only other article, uh, was at the site, uh, this week, uh, Zach Spedden, our other colleague there, he took a look at, uh, Diaz who I continue to believe will be up relatively quick next year. Figure if he has a quality spring training, goes to triple a, if he has a couple of uh, successful months there, I think he could be up with the Orioles by uh, by Memorial Day. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Bob, what, what were your thoughts on that article and the uh, uh, the former Dodger there, or former Dodger prospect? Yeah, I I thought he did a really nice job. Zach did of of kind of looking at his situation and uh, kind of what some of the challenges were for Diaz and it kind of comes down to he's just kind of a little lower down on the ladder with than some of these other young guys. And you just, you know, frankly, and this is a good problem to have is these guys have been taking advantage of their opportunities. So there hasn't been an opportunity for him yet this year. I think in a, in a normal season, a September call up might be good, good for him. Um, but this is all kind of, of, overlooking the main issue is why we haven't seen him and we probably won't see him this year is that he's not on the 40 man roster. Um, and of course, as we know to get on the 40 man roster, someone has to come off the 40 man roster and then you risk losing that player. I will point out, and I'm not saying I'm not going to go quite as far to advocate for this, but I just want to point out that one of those 40 man roster spots belongs to Chris Davis and just throwing it out there. Feel free to discuss, um, but or you could just wait till spring training and then see what you got there. See how the roster um, unfolds. And they're playing the service time with him as well. Sure. Uh, and also DJ Stewart has come back up onto the roster and just been on fire. So yeah. there hasn't been the direct uh, need. If DJ had come up and really struggled, I kind of wonder if they may have gone ahead and, and moved uh, DS up. But my expectation at this point is that they won't bring him up for the remainder of this year and will keep him down long enough next year to gain that additional year of uh, service time. But I think he'll, yeah. he'll be up fairly early next year and uh, I'll be looking forward to watching him play on, on a regular basis. I think he uh, is a little bit kind of forgotten because last year, in the minors, his numbers were kind of uh, middling, but he played with leg injuries throughout the throughout the season, and it kind of uh, uh, inhibited his production. But the Orioles, so they saw the real him in spring. They've been enthusiastic what they've seen about him in summer. So I'm looking forward to see, seeing him next year. So we're about well 41 minutes into our additional pod after about 10 minutes got, got uh, wiped out earlier. So. 
we're about at a close. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show that the uh, uh, the NFL was starting. So right now, if you're a sports fan, you have MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL. Uh, I guess the U.S. Open is going on right now. And uh, just the Kentucky Derby last week, you got about three-fifths of college football back, at least the the, uh, the power conferences. Uh, you guys are out west, so no Pac-12. Uh, and uh, Maryland, of course, is in the Big Ten, so no Big Ten. But everybody else is playing, so uh, we got some college football to watch. Uh so a little bit of everything, um, fun time if you're a sports fan and if you need diversions from the rest of life, you have some of that. Of course, uh, <laughs> uh, it's hard to, hard to have diversions. Uh, and I'll take a, a real right turn, and I'm sorry to do this to my uh, co-host tonight, but uh, we're taping. It's uh, September 10th. A couple hours, it'll be uh, September 11th anniversary. Uh Everybody puts up their own remembrances of the day, certainly a day that for all of us kind of uh, you do remember where you were. I'll tell a quick story since we haven't had the pod previously. I was working for the Orioles at the time. Uh, I was uh, working in the warehouse uh, doing uh, ticket sales uh, and ballpark tours and other gopher capacities as I was trying to latch on to baseball operations at some point, but not so much. Uh, and and uh, so I was working in the uh, – working in the warehouse that morning in the uh, ticket booth. And uh, we had the today show on and then the first uh, plane hit. And I said, I don't think that's uh, a coincidence in Manhattan. And then the second one hit and anybody with any brain knew. Uh, and uh, a couple of us had, had said uh, bin Laden because the, uh, the coal attack uh, had, had only been the year prior. So an interesting day and, uh, you know, one you always remember exactly where you were and what you're thinking and uh, kind of stays with you. I, I certainly remember that morning. It was a uh, it was blue skies here in, in Baltimore. I had a bit of a nip nip in the air. I, I remember that extremely well. I remember <laughs> we didn't close down the, the windows right away. People were still coming up and asking about the games, and I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a game uh, uh, anytime soon. But they're like, we want to exchange. It was, uh, you might recall, that was uh, Ripken's last year, and it was going to be uh, the last games of his uh, uh, career were going to be at home. But as it worked out, they wound up um, being on the road, a group of us working for the Orioles, we went up to Yankee Stadium and saw and saw the uh, 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 games uh, there. Uh, it got delayed. Uh, so sorry for rambling there. Certainly, just a day it kind of remembers uh, for remembrance. Um, I don't know where you guys were, but I'm sure you directly <laughs> have your own, your own thoughts and your own memories uh, of what you had. If you want to share, yeah, not to put you on <laughs> on the spot. Sorry, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I mean the, the actual day of it was, I was, you know, on the West coast. So I was sleeping. My wife woke me up and, and told me to turn on the TV. And then I was just glued to that TV all the rest of that day. Um, what I, what I remember that was maybe unique to me that maybe, um, makes my experience a little different from most is that my wife and I had a trip planned to New York um, three weeks later. And we each had a friend who lived in Brooklyn, like blocks from each other, didn't know each other. We called them and both of them said, still come. 
please come. Um, and I think the city wanted tourists, you know, but, um, so three weeks later we were there and it was a surreal experience. That was my first trip to New York. And, um, you know, you could smell the odor from the remains. Yeah, we should look the up towers. the date, dates there. Matt might have been there, or Bob might have been there at the uh, at the same time with you. That was certainly uh, that was surreal being <laughs> being up there. Yeah, well, we went to we actually went to a Yankee game that had been canceled or postponed. It should have been you know the playoffs, um, but it was Yankees White Sox, and I think there were about seven thousand fans there, and security was something else. No umbrellas. No, they had all these rules. You couldn't bring an umbrella. And it was just a real surreal time to be in New York. Um, I have been there since and it was completely different. But uh, I will say you did feel a, a strength from the people of the city. Um, you felt a welcoming spirit that maybe you wouldn't normally get in that city. Um, and uh, it was sobering, but also in a, in, a, in a way it was inspiring to just how people reacted uh, together in the, the weeks after. Yeah, I think, I think so, Bob, it was, um, and to be on the soapbox for a second, it's a, we all know this is a highly partisan era and we all have our own biases. I certainly have mine, but, uh, if you think back to that moment, there was a time where we all did come together as, as Americans uh, and really, uh, largely larger as the world. And it didn't really matter what your political views were, at least for a brief moment, we were all uh, united. And it would be nice to uh, get back to that. So kind of when I think about uh, tomorrow, that's kind of my takeaway. And Matt, not to cut you off, but uh, on a larger sense, uh, and just going, again, you're dealing with uh, fires in your neck of the woods. And uh, we wish you the best with that. Uh, I certainly know that that can be uh, on your mind uh, there as well. And that's also just an example of day to day. We're all going through a lot. Uh, week to week, we're doing uh, doing this show, and there's just so much that goes on in the world. Uh, baseball is a nice distraction. Uh, whatever you, you find right now or giving you some peace, I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, so – Enough rambling for me. My thanks. Another show for Bob and Matt. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, and we'll see you again soon. Take care.